This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bailey's House of Guns. Bailey's House of Guns is a family-owned and operated business based out of Houston, Texas. Guys, they're the official distributor for Remington and Smith & Wesson for all law enforcement in the state of Texas. Bailey's House of Guns is a humongous supporter of rodeo and rodeo athletes. They've sponsored some cowboys. They've provided guns and ammo for plenty of world champions. They love rodeo just like we do. Guys, support a local business. Support Bailey's House of Guns. They can ship guns and ammo to FFLs throughout the United States. I know they've got the guns you want. I know they've got the ammo you want. Give Bailey's House of Guns a call. This is The Gage with host Chance Conradu. Are you freaking serious? It's Conrado. This is The Gage, and I am Chance Conrado. On this episode of the podcast, we have got Liberté Austin. She is a gun advocate, a firearm enthusiast. She is also a paralegal, and she has a lot of good information, basically, that she passed along to us, things that I didn't know. I always thought there was this thing called make my day law. I guess that's not a thing. Even in Texas, it's not a thing. So we get some good information from that. We get a little bit of her backstory. thing about her is she's got a really large social media following and, and a platform that she's used to further conservative values and, you know, Talk about the importance of safe gun ownership. The second half of the episode's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of joking and, and playful stuff. We get off track just like we do on the gauge. You guys know. Check it out. All right. So you guys are joining us from Houston. I appreciate you guys stopping. You know, well, okay, you're not stopping by. You made it a trip to come here for the show, which I really appreciate. <laughs> but luckily, you know, there's so many wonderful things to do in Fort Worth during a quarantine. Well, we're not really in a quarantine anymore, are we, Ty? Not really. I mean, what do they call it now? In, it's just stage of social life di- social, social distancing. distancing. Yeah, or social distancing. Yeah, every single store you go into, you, I got a haircut today and I had to wear the mask. Oh, Getting yeah. A haircut. It's brutal. I hate wearing the mask. Yeah, it's like, well, you guys are from Houston, so it's like a million percent humidity and a thousand degrees, and they just like stick to your face and you can't breathe. You feel like yeah, your face is melting off when you're wearing it. It's awful. It is. Yeah, but what's interesting is like i'm from colorado right so it's like you never get used to the heat and the humidity in texas but i mean were you born here yeah born yeah. and raised so it's just like you were born into a swamp and you're good with it right well i was born in corpus christi but i was raised in austin and austin's yeah. not as humid as houston right it's pretty dry yeah well it's like the more you go north the less. i mean it feels humid here though like what it's always like 80 90 humidity here right <laughs> that's a overestimating a little bit it, that's like Houston levels of humidity. Really? Well, I don't know. Like yeah, I guess levels. so. Yeah. It's we're, pretty familiar. We're like halfway. Like 50% humidity? No, I'd say so at the worst. Yeah? Oh, mm. it feels like a lot if you're from Colorado. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That would be a nightmare. Yeah, it is. But so kind of the thing about you is you're a huge gun advocate. And, and one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show, other than people suggesting you come on, um, is that advocacy advocacy for firearms and there's so many people that i care about who are traveling all over the country girls late at night pulling a huge horse trailer in their jammies at like three in the morning with like no gun that makes me worry a lot for them right yeah yeah and how did kind of the gun thing start for you because everyone kind of has you know it's like Mm -hmm. okay so like me or maybe him it was like well our dads or our grandpas was that was that how it was for you or no, not at all. Um, I wasn't raised into it. I wasn't raised, although my, my dad hunted, my uncles hunted. It wasn't a thing that the girls did. Um, I really wasn't raised into it. For me, it was, a. Uh, I actually went through something pretty traumatic early on. Um, I had a an incident where a man broke into our apartment. Um, pretty scary stuff. He came in, I hate to even talk about this sometimes, but um rape my sister he was a serial rapist at the time in austin and he was going around college like apartment complexes and raping girls and he'd gotten away with it a few times and i guess he had been stalking my sister's apartment for a couple weeks and um he looked like a real clean-cut guy you know this is not the kind of person that you think is a serial rapist which is the most bizarre thing about it and I think the hardest thing for me to deal with, and like when I hear you talk about girls alone, you kind of tend to want to judge a person by what they look like on the outside. And if they don't look creepy or they don't look scary, you kind of tend to want to trust them. 
So this kind of reshaped my whole outlook on trusting people, strangers especially. Um, it was really traumatic the, what we went through. I saw my sister go through a lot of pain. Um, after he, he, what happened was he came in, he took her first. There was three of us in there. He took her first, um, did what he did, came back and started waking us up, my cousin and then me. So the police afterwards told us that his intention was, his crimes were escalating. And so his intention was to kill us. Um, he had stabbed the girl before us and it was unsuccessful. She didn't die. And so it was like his crimes you could see were escalating. And he was like 23 years old. Was he a student? No, mm -mm. no, he worked at like a pharmacy type of store, like a CVS, but you know, something like that. Um, but no, he, uh, when I heard him come in and take my cousin, she was smart enough to start kicking me. I was standing, staying the night with them. So I was laying on the floor and so she starts kicking me and I sit up and I see this man holding my cousin um, at knife point and he just kind of slowly hovered his hand over me. He's like, go back to sleep. You're dreaming, go back to sleep. And in my 15 year old mind, 16 year old mind at the time, I was 16, um, I just listened to him. I laid back down and I just told myself like, this is it, I'm gonna die. So I'm just gonna lay here and wait for this guy to come back and get me. Um, at that moment, I just felt something. I felt like it was God, an angel, something, just wake me up and say, run. And that's exactly what I did. I got up and I run. I ran out of the room and fortunately, um, that scared him and he ran off. So it stopped the attack. And he didn't get to complete, you know, what he went in there to do, which is, is good, but still there was a lot of damage done. Yeah, to all I mean, of us. I mean, how could it not be? Um, three girls at a young age. How did he get in? Did he go through a window? Did he break through the door? We were, were you guys in dorms? or? It was an apartment, and we were on the first floor, and it was a sliding door. And ever since then, I cannot live somewhere with a sliding door. It's um, There's a really easy way to pop them open. We were told by the police afterwards. He just he broke in through there. We didn't hear it. And, um, you know, luckily since he was blindfolding all of his victims, um, he hadn't had a chance to blindfold me yet. So I was the only one that got to see him in the face. I was able to identify him and that led to, he, he was already a suspect. So that kind of led to the arrest and he was quickly prosecuted after that. So he's serving three life sentences in Travis County now. Yes, not enough. Right. Wow. So, I mean, did they, not to pry on this, but it's like, if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, it's a really interesting story to get to mm -hmm. hear about. And I mean, were they able to kind of figure out how many victims he had attacked before you guys or? I believe we were the fourth, the fourth person. Um, the one before that, the girl, he didn't expect her boyfriend to be over her house when, cause he stalks, he stalked them first. And so, um, there was an additional victim there because of him having spent the night with his girlfriend and he actually stabbed both of them. Um, you know, the boyfriend kind of had to watch the whole horrible act take place and then he kind of left them for dead, but fortunately they didn't die. Um, she was also able to testify in court um, wow. against I mean, him. So there was like DNA and everything that. So he was a sloppy, just mess. He was young. Yeah. You know? Wow. So. I mean, that's, that's like every horror movie that's not like fantasy based. That's how they right. start. You see this guy and they do things like, I mean, that is, you don't know very many people or get to meet very many people who've actually experienced right. that firsthand. And I have to just imagine that, I mean, of course, uh, I mean, uh, for God's sakes, of course, your sisters had to have just been at a level of panic and distraught that you probably couldn't even talk to her for a long time, but she was messed up for a long time. And that was really the hardest part. Even to this day, I have to say, um, it's really still affected her. Um, I think the biggest thing is that when you're, I was 16 years old, you know, we lived in a real carefree kind of, Austin used to be a real down to earth place to live. You just didn't really have that fear that anything was gonna happen to you. Um, it just changes your perspective because after that, you don't want to let anybody in. You don't want to trust anybody. You just, and I have become very isolated because of that to this day. Right. And um, 
you know, I think a lot of girls out there don't think it could ever happen to them. They really live life like, like what you said, it's de- they're detached from the idea that something like that could happen to them. Well, so here's what's interesting, right? Like from, from our perspective, when I say our, I mean like the Western rodeo community, mm-hmm. it's big, right? In the sense that you're traveling thousands and thousands of miles a year, but it's also a subculture. So you feel very protected and isolated in a subculture, but it's not that, right? It's the in-between. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, right? Those for me, when I think about my sister and she's married now and, and they do travel a lot, so that helps. But even when she's with some of her traveling partners where it's just couple of young girls going from coast to coast, basically. I mean, the chances that that could happen on the road, exactly what happened to you, Mm -hmm. and it in worse. Worse now. Yeah. I mean, because if you think logistically, I mean, on the road, the chances that they probably kill you would be higher, right? Right. And especially now with there being so many shows and things teaching criminals how to get better at their, what they do. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot, they're a lot more brazen, I think, and they're a lot um, more willing to take that extra risk to not get caught, which is probably eliminating any witnesses, I think. Um, I watch a lot of crime shows, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah. You probably have notes everywhere on how, like, Crime Stopper notes, right? Right. Absolutely. It's just, it becomes a whole, like, it, it consumes your entire life. Right. Um. Well, there were three of us, so it's interesting that three of us took three different paths. So with my sister, she still to this day does not own a firearm, which I've been, you know, I've convinced her to take her, and she's kind of still debating whether or not she wants to do that. My cousin as well, um, for me, I took the route of how do I protect myself? How do I find a solution to this problem? Because I wasn't sleeping, you know, I, I was just miserable, it was complete fear and isolation and for me um, going back to how I ended up in firearms is that that was my solution that was my that was the thing that finally gave me the strength to sleep again you know and I don't say that lightly I mean literally I would stay up all night until the sun came up because I was afraid that somebody was going to break into the door right um but having a gun in my house um, learning how to shoot makes me complete feel completely safe right Right. Yeah. I'm so, so incident happens. Fast forward. When was it that you made the decision? Like, you know what? I'm going to take my own security in my own, into my own hands. That didn't sound that great. I'm going to take my security into my own hands and, uh, and learn how to handle firearms and do these things to hopefully be able to stop a situation that ever occurs again. It was a few years later, um, that I was introduced to hunting and, um, by your dad. No, no. Um, it was a family member. Um, we went to his ranch, and uh, it was actually a property near the King Ranch. So it was like the first time I had been out that kind of place. And you know, he, um, my uncle, wanted us wanted me to take out, take a deer. You know, just kind of experience that, you know, kind of life. And um, I took a doe. That was my very first time I ever hunted, and it was just life changing for me you know, not having grown up hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, It just really changed my perspective. I felt empowered. I felt like, just like I had regained all this energy and strength back in my life. So that's what it was. And I didn't buy a self, I literally, I hunted. And then like literally a week later, I had a self-defense gun. I bought my first pistol. And I didn't know anything about guns back then compared Mm. to now. So I actually bought a Smith & Wesson. It was a twenty-two. And I would never advise any woman to carry a 22. But, you know, I went through that thing where I go to the gun shop and the guys at the sh- at the counter, they think I'm an idiot. And, of course, I didn't know anything back then. Right. And they sold me a 22 because that's what they do is they tell ladies that they should carry 22 or a pink gun, which is completely ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> You mean you're not an advocate for carrying the pink pistol? No, and a 22. Yeah. Definitely not anymore. Um pretty laughable to me looking back at it but I kept practicing I just got interested in anything that had to do with guns traded my 22 for a 1911 carried a 1911 for like ever a 45 because I learned that a 45 is going to penetrate you know your attacker more than any other you know round that's available right now um I do have I do carry a nine millimeter now but it's you know ammo is really the changing factor there um, but I've just, I don't know. I love it. I love the gun culture. I'm, I'm somewhat obsessed with just feeling safe and my safety. So as many classes as I can take, um, we, I go to the range like weekly almost. 
Yeah, just that's shoot. what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, we have mutual uh, friends who actually set this up. But it, it's interesting that, so it probably at some point, it, it just turned into more of a passion than a preventative thing, right? Or is it a, a mixture of both? I mean, I just wonder, because kind of what you said is just like, you know, it's, it's all about preventing what may potentially, I mean, you're married and, and all of that now, so mm-hmm. chances are a lot slimmer probably. Um, but, I mean, is it, is it all based in preventative measures or is it a lot of passion just because it's fun and it's cool too? I think it's a mixture of both. It's yeah. like I was meant to do this. I was meant – it was like it fit so perfectly with – it just aligned so perfectly with my values. With Even though I wasn't raised that way, it's like, I don't know, it just clicked. It was just the right – it felt right. Guns right. feel like second nature to me. Right. They're tools to me. Um, you know, it's something that I don't even question that I need or not. Right. Yeah. It's just like another appendage. Exactly. Like That's exactly how I get it. Of if side. I don't have it, like when I have to travel and I can't take my gun with me, it's it's like I'm thrown off my base. You know, I'm not, right. I don't feel secure. Right. So here's an interesting question, right? And, and because you are married, right? I mm-hmm. mean, was it really hard for you? And I would love to ask you this question because <laughs> you got married, but I mean, were you, was it hard for you to like, be approached by men or be talked to by men like when you decided to court your wife would she give you a hard time (laughs) you can answer that question we'll pick it up on the mic (laughs) it was it was a little bit hard to to get to her i had no idea that she was a gun person really nobody does ever at all wait so were you a gun person before you met her no she converted you totally yeah (laughs) (laughs) but like when you were trying to date her and stuff was she just like Hand in your face, like, no, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Just cold. <laughs> don't talk to me. Get away. I mean, how, how, what broke down your walls? Persistence. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to trust somebody. And, you know, I'm definitely an introvert, even though I'm, people assume because I'm on social media that I'm an extrovert. I'm totally not. Really? I'm You're like just a homebody? Yes, I feel like my social, my socials like do enough of my socializing for me that I don't need to, I could just stay home. Like social distancing for me in this quarantine, it was a breeze. It was like normal life for you? Yeah. I was That's like, what my wife is, said. What's everybody complaining about? She's just like you. She's like, nothing in my world has changed. She's like, yeah, my whole world's wrecked. I'm a social butterfly. This is killing me. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So that's interesting because it brings up another topic, right? So you transition from traumatic experience to, you know, gun enthusiast, gun lover, gun toter, like no other. Mm-hmm. And then this social media thing starts to happen, right? Which has kind of been like an interesting trend, right? We had Kitty on here and then Kendall, and now we're talking to you. And everybody had this moment where like social blew up for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it was about five years ago. Um, I was kind of into photography and I actually was doing stuff. Um, I've done some stuff in fashion and things like that. And um, I just kind of randomly posted a picture of a hunt that I went on, you know, uh, one day. And that kind of is what brought this all on. I had no idea there was a gun community online. I had, I had just gotten Facebook. Like I didn't even know what Facebook or Instagram was, which is so funny. Um, and once I found that there's all these other people out there like me, you know, people want to call them gun nuts, whatever you want to call me gun nuts. Sure. That's fine. I'll take that label. Um, but that was amazing for me. That was like therapy. And that gun community really just embraced me with open arms. And I felt like I was where I belonged. Right. Which is interesting because most people's experience with social media is more of like an attack based thing where they like feel attacked. And I got that too. I got a lot of that, but I don't know what I have a gun. So I'm like, I'm not, not worried. Yeah. Well, what's a gun or what's a (laughs) keyboard against a gun? I told you these ranch waters, they're dangerous. Don't plug them. Right. Well, I mean, there's lots of death threats that I would get for hunting and, you know. Oh, yeah, the typical stereotypical thing that you get from random people. But, okay, so that's interesting because first thing you asked me when I I met you outside to let you, I was like, can I wear my MAGA hat? Yeah. (laughs) And were you always like a conservative or was that something that developed? I've always been a conservative, yeah. So you probably grew up in a conservative household? No, I did not. My family's, they're all Democrats. Until like this weekend, by the way, I just converted my mom and the last one, my other sister. Um, And it took me like a good four years to do it too because we're, you know, we're Hispanic family. And so um, that's not something that you do in Hispanic families. You vote Democrat. You do. I mean, my wife's Hispanic. Yeah. Her family's 
interestingly, like all of the older people in her family, her parents, her, her grandparents are, but her and all of her siblings are not. Isn't that weird? It's super weird because you would think it would maybe be the other way around. I don't know what it is either. I've been trying to figure out what it is, but... You know, I think my family, they are conservatives. They just didn't know it because they do follow a lot of the views that the conservatives follow. It's just, I believe it's just the propaganda of the media. You know, you have to really want to overcome that. So that's interesting. I mean, how, how long did you spend trying to convert your, your mom and your family? Like that's such, such an interesting thing because normally you can't pull it off. Right. So it really took me a long time and a lot of frustration. I've lost a lot of friends, um, you know, from, from Austin just because of it. I still have a couple and they're very liberal. They're very Democrat. Um, with my mom, it really was recently with this whole defund the cops thing. That's what really turned my mom. And I had to, I've had to explain to her on so many levels, like why these things are happening and how negative it would be for them to take our guns away and how negative it would be for them to defund the cops. And that's what really sold her. And I think a lot of Democrats are going to turn because of that. Yeah. It's that or the terrifying DNC thing that just the <laughs> convention. That was right. That was a nightmare. I, I can't even believe that was real. Right. Like I had to like watch it a couple times. I don't know about you guys, but I just, it didn't seem like a real thing. It just feels like they're acting. Exactly. Like, but acting. Some evil show, like The Purge or something. <laughs> I was just yeah, waiting for the purge, the purge sirens to come on, you know? Yeah, exactly. That really just, creepy siren. It's crazy. Right. And it's it's like you wonder, I don't want to over-politicize the show, but uh, it's called The Gauge Inside the Western Life, so I think we're safe mm-hmm. talking right. about this on this show. <laughs> but uh, just how blatantly obvious it is what they're doing, but people are still just taking that spoonful of nonsense bite after bite. I just don't get it. I don't get it either. And you know, the funny thing is, is they think we're as brainwashed as they are. Because when I talk to somebody that's liberal, it's like, how can you vote for Trump? He's this, this, that, and the other with no facts at all. But they really think that they're right. They do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's the crazy people on the right, right? You get too far right. And then you're, you're kind of eating out of the same bowl. Right. But I mean, most people you find, the intelligent, common sense based people, if you were able to just have like a conversation like this with them, they mm-hmm. probably realize that they have the same value as you. They may not agree right. on a gun thing, but as far as like who would actually really want to defund the police, right? Who would? Police reform and defund the police are not the same thing. Right. It's completely insane to even think that. And I, I feel so sorry for those cities right now who are dialing 911 and can't get police to come help them. Could you imagine that? I can't imagine that because yeah. I heard like Portland you know, they wouldn't even come for rape, which really, you know, hits home for me. And I'm thinking how unbelievably crazy is it to think that you can live in a world without cops right now? Yeah. I mean, it's. And be for gun control. It's like a death wish. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it's like praying to have more people shot though in Mm self-defense because like in California, for instance, they had what they had more like firearm purchases in the last two months than they've ever had before. There's some crazy number i don't know what it was but you may know you're into guns i heard right well i know california they bought a lot of guns this past like march and april i was just in california a week ago and they're in southern california there's mm-hmm. a lot of conservatives there there are they're yeah in the closet right now they're just like afraid to hang their trump banner but they're the silent majority too they are yeah so if you go like san diego area there's actually a lot of horse mm-hmm. and rodeo people down there too and what you find is these pockets, these pocket communities where it's very conservative, right? It's it's when you go up in the Silicon Valley, LA, San Francisco area that it changes, but yeah. they're so densely populated, it's, I mean, what do you do? Right, true. So kind of going back to the social media thing, right? It's, you were kind of telling me what your prerogative is with each of your social medias. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did you come, come to do that? It, it, it kind of seems funny, right? Like if you, th- Five years ago, you probably think, ah, ha, ha, Facebook, Instagram, but it's like a full-blown career for so many people, you Mm -hmm. included. Mm -hmm. It is. It's a full-time job, too, for some people. I mean, it's if you really want to take it seriously and and make it into a full-time job, you could. It just takes a lot of time and effort, and um, sometimes it just gets, you know, overwhelming a little bit to kind of live in that world where you have to constantly post something, and I don't think that that's for me anymore. Although I still pretty really enjoy it, I just don't, I can't do it every day anymore. It's just too, I feel like 
it, it's crazy to be on social right now because of everything that's going on. And then it kind of just gives me a lot of anxiety. You know, I still struggle with PTSD from the incident and um, I have to really keep my anxiety at a calm level. And so um, I was a lot more active a few years ago, but I feel like now with everything that's happening, I just kind of seems like it's Keep just it chill. better to stay off of it too. Right. right? It just gives you anxiety. It does. Cause is there a positive thing that you find on any of it? No, no, there's, there's nothing not. positive and it's just everything that's put out for us to consume. It's like, it's meant to try to make us miserable. It's really strange. Right. And it's working. It does. It does like, work. You guys have kids, right? Yeah. And are, they're not able to go to school right now, right? No, they're actually going to start school. We're going to let them go. Oh, you have the choice to have them mm-hmm. go? Yeah, you can oh, wow. either you can either have them go to school or they can do it online. Um, but we're actually choosing to let our kids go to school. Really? Yeah. yeah. See, it's funny over here they did not give the option. Really? Wow, that's that's crazy for Dallas. <sighs> yeah, I mean, especially where we're I mean, it's not what you would think, but yeah, I mean we have a kindergartner. It's just, it's supposed to be his kindergarten experience mm-hmm. and it's right. really excited. I finally get to make friends. Sorry. Nope. You get to be in your bedroom for eight hours. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, it's brutal. But they didn't give us the option. So that's that's good that somebody's kids get to go to school, I guess. Right. Well, I know Houston's doing it. I know Austin's doing it. Um, We'll see for how long it lasts. I mean, you know, they might just pull that rug under from under us. Yeah. Well, see, it's supposed to be the other other way around, I think. But like it'll go for like 10, 12 days. You need a break, Ty? Is that what you're signaling? Okay. Normally it's a switch an SD card. But yeah, what do you do? I mean, it's the amount of control we've given people at the state and local level. It's like you can't really do anything about it. Right. So so I guess with the whole, like the social media thing, which is great and, and the gun thing, but you're pulling back from them. So what, what, do you, what is your daily life going to consist of without that stuff? So I have a new project um, in the works right now that I'm going to start focusing on, um, you know, Social has been great for me in a lot of aspects. I have met some really amazing people. Um, I'm a part of like TPUSA. I do Bienvenido. I'm a part of like a lot of organizations that I feel are really doing something, making a difference out there. So I'm really blessed to have been working with such amazing companies, you know, stuff like that is just, it's been great. So now I want to really concentrate my focus towards the future, which is um, I would like to start putting a focus on this defund the cops thing and um, start a foundation where I'm going to wanting to help police officers get the equipment that they need. So in the next couple weeks, in the next few months, you're going to see that um, coming from my socials. It's going to be putting more of a focus on where my heart and my passion is right now, which is I just feel terrible for these police officers. I do not blame them for wanting to quit. I mean, who would want that job right now? It's awful for them. They get spit on. They get threatened. They don't even have the right equipment. They're getting defunded. So that's where my focus is really going to be. Well, speaking of, didn't Austin pull off like this 150 huge? Million. That's that's insane. That's and insane. they were so proud of it. I saw it came across. I don't know what network, but it came across, and they were like, "We did it. We pulled it off." You know, as if it was some victory for society. I just don't get it. Right. No, I, I don't get it either. And I think more focus needs to be put back onto what it is that they're having to go through. Um, so hopefully using my social to do something positive like that with it. Right. Is where is what I'm going to be doing. So you probably get contacted a lot to, to do ambassadorships like mm-hmm. that. But Turning Point USA is an interesting one because I keep seeing like more and more people that I know or am, uh, they're part of that. Like what do they do? They just reach out to you and, and ask you to be an ambassador. I mean, you have a big social, so they probably want to do more with you than they do some people I know, but. So with Turning Point, yeah, they did reach out to me. Um, I think now they've changed that a little bit to where you can apply mm. um, to be an ambassador, which is why we probably have a lot more people um, coming on board. Um, but they did reach out to me. It just aligned perfectly with what, you know, my views are. And I've met great people, um, like some of my best friends now from Turning Point, which has been the best thing about it um, for me. Um, but yeah, that's, Turning Point's a great organization. It is, yeah. I mean, some of those people, like the high-level people at Turning Point USA, like the Charlie Kirks and Candace He's Owens, brilliant. The stuff that comes out of their mouth. I know. It's just like, It's wow, impressive. I, it is crazy. I don't know how much time, if they're just that gifted or they're spending mm-hmm. that much time researching it, but it's like that, if Charlie Kirk presents you with an argument, you can't argue it back. Right. You he, know, he's, he's just so, so he's many just, facts. I know. He's so good at just 
really understanding the problem and then giving you like a list of why it's just, he's amazing at what he does. Truly. Yeah. I mean, I, it, you have to be so intelligent to do something like that way more intelligent than me, but uh, to do something at that level and actually, cause like a guy like that, he's trying to help. Right. I mean, he gets vicious. I mean, if, if you think you get viciously mm-hmm. attacked, I'm sure he gets attacked oh, a yeah. billion times more. I'm sure. Brave dude. So, but um, social has also, I have a full-time job as well. I work for a company which is legal defense for self-defense. So my whole life is encompassed around self-defense, guns. Like my whole life is So how did you I get post. involved in that? That was one of the things when I was doing my due diligence that I saw about you was exactly what you were about to bring up. Mm-hmm. How did that all start for you? So it was through social. Yeah. Um, I was, I've been a paralegal for a really long time working at PI, um, malpractice and stuff like that. And, and I loved being a paralegal. It was one of my passions as well. Um, but, uh, us law shield came along because of my social, which I'm so grateful for. Like this brought so many opportunities for me and it's the perfect job because it's legal and it's self-defense and it's marketing. So it's like all of my talents wrapped into one. So I, I mean, I've been there, this is my third year, um, going on my third year, but it's been really great. What is it you do there? I mean, outside of the paralegal stuff, do you go around and and do certain things to try to grow their business or what? So I'm an ambassador for them as well. And because I do have so many contacts in the industry, you know, I'm trying to marry those companies with our product because I believe every person, and I hate that this is going to sound salesy, but it's really not. Like as a paralegal and a gun advocate, I'm telling you, you have to have this protection because of everything, the red flag logs, everything that's going on right now, you might actually have to use your gun. And people don't realize, like, if you shoot somebody in your house, you're going to jail. Like, they just think, oh, they're going to come give me a medal and pat me on the back. But that's not how it works at all. The well, especially in Texas, right? Like, they don't even have the verbiage in their laws that even, which is There isn't self-defense, right. There's no such thing as self-defense. In no. Texas, mm-hmm. of all places, that doesn't make sense, but... You'll get a murder charge. You go before a grand jury, and they will determine if you use lawful. Um, Which is so force. counterintuitive because everybody's like, "It's to make my day law." That's know. not even real. It's not. Yeah, it and, used to be a long time ago. And but, there's a lot of liberal judges here. Yeah, that want to stick it to you. Yeah, which is so interesting. It's like, could you imagine that? Like, imagine that someone breaks into your home and you have to shoot them, and you're the one who goes to jail. Yeah, exactly. And you lose. I mean, imagine how much money to hire an attorney to clear your name. Right. They take your gun. Okay, so you shoot your your beautiful gun. You spend two grand on or whatever. Because some people like I have, you know, I have some nice guns. <laughs> but you know, they're going to take it away from you. You're not going to get it back, and that's it. You're going to go down a really long road of trying to prove your innocence. So right. that's what I love. What we do. I'm so passionate about it because. What we do is saving people's freedom right now. And it's exactly what we all need right now. Ladies, are you tired of scent eliminating projects leave your hair dry and unmanageable? Well, Scentless Huntress is here by Southern Racks. They are natural salon quality products designed for the avid hunter in you. I added that part. They didn't tell me to say that. Scentless Huntress helps maintain healthy hair and skin while keeping your human scent undetected. That's the most important part. The shampoo and conditioner is safe for color-treated hair and leaves your skin healthy, smooth, and soft. They also have a great body wash. Lotions and guys, for you, the three-in-one, you know, because you're lazy, because we're guys. We don't want to do all that stuff. But it helps moisturize you, eliminate flakes, eliminate all your dry skin issues, you know, because it's going to be dry this fall. All Southern Rack products are sulfate-free, paraben-free, and great for sensitive skin. So, if you're looking to eliminate your scent and also be silky smooth, give Southern Racks a try. SouthernRacksOutdoors.com Bailey's House of Guns is a family-owned and operated business based out of Houston, Texas. Guys, they're the official distributor for Remington and Smith & Wesson for all law enforcement in the state of Texas. Bailey's House of Guns is a humongous supporter of rodeo and rodeo athletes. They've sponsored some cowboys. They've provided guns and ammo for plenty of world champions. They love rodeo just like we do. Guys, support a local business. Support Bailey's House of Guns. They can ship guns and ammo to FFLs throughout the United States. I know they've got the guns you want. I know they've got the ammo you want. Give Bailey's House of Guns a call. Whenever I attend shows and stuff and... 
you know, I'm out there and I'm an ambassador, so I'm selling the product and I'm telling people about it. And that's the number one response. Well, we'll just go bury him in the backyard. <laughs> I got a backhoe. I'm a redneck. I'm a Texas redneck. I don't need no lawyer. Steal my money. Hey, touch my property. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most Texas thing. It's funny because I grew up on like ranches, right? And we had... <laughs> At my grandma's ranch, and we had like the worst freak. They would shoot the dogs if they crossed the fence. Yeah, I was like God forbid my sweet little child ever cross that fence if I go over there. He's gone. He's getting buried in the backyard. Right. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Especially Dallas, Fort Worth people for sure. Definitely not Dallas. Dallas is like might as well be San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a different kind of place, but. Uh, it's interesting because Dallas is cool. Like if you were to go, not now so much with all the boarded up windows and spray painted murals everywhere. Mm -hmm. But like before that, Dallas is like a great place. There's like great restaurants and there's so much you can do in Dallas. Now it's like, you do not want to go there. But Fort Worth is different. Did you guys go like kind of around Sundance Square and all that since you've been here? Or did you kind not of yet. Check not yet. We had just got in. Yeah. I'm going to take them to the stockyards tomorrow. Oh, good idea. Yeah. 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 There's some stuff. Not going on there probably right now, but it's still just so he here. can see it. Yeah, so he can say I've been here. Restaurants. Uh, have you not been to Fort Worth? I've been to Fort Worth, never to the stock. Oh, do they have stuff open there right now? I assume so. I assume like restaurants. They're probably not running like the train and all that and walking the cows down the street doing anything. Right, but at least you know. Yeah. Have you guys ever been to Rodeo Houston? Mm -mm. Oh, go next year. Was that? It's it is so packed. crowded. It is crowded. It's fun, though. I don't like crowds. I'm an introvert. You don't like crowds. You are an introvert. <laughs> Maybe we could find a way to get you, like, a box seat or something. That's so the only go. way that I'll go. And if a helicopter can drop me into the middle of the stadium where I don't have to go through a line, well, that would be better. So how do, you, how do you handle being such a closed-off introvert when you go to, like, these conventions and stuff? It's weird. You go to weird. a sportsman's expo, and it's just packed with Bill and Ted's. Oh, I know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I have to like put on this whole other persona, you know. What do you do to get yourself hyped up? Tequila. No. Um, <laughs> no, I just like it's work, you yeah. know. And and because of what I'm doing, I'm really passionate about it. So it's easy to get lost in conversations with people and really be passionate about what I'm selling. Right. Since it's not like you know selling cars or whatever it's like yeah it's a really focused thing that i'm really passionate about so i can talk about it forever you're saying car salesmen aren't passionate they are passionate it's that's just, so you know, insensitive it's what a world. trump follower thing to say <laughs> <laughs> it's not saving the world or anything that's all i'm saying true that's not like what you're doing anyway okay so we were talking you were going to tell me a really good story about getting somebody off Okay, so we have lots of interesting cases, um, and these are just some that I've heard about from the attorneys in our office, okay? So one of the ones that I always tell people because, you know, we watch so many TV shows, and what is the first thing you do when something bad happens? We call 911, right? And then you just ramble and ramble, and you tell that operator everything about your grandma, your history, what you did, what your motive was, and you just completely blow your entire case. So... One of the biggest things that is like the kind of that our attorneys will tell people is don't talk to the 911 operator. Like all, at all? All you need to tell a 911 operator, and again, this is, I'm not an attorney, an attorney, but our attorneys do give this type of advice. You tell the operator where you are, what you need. I need police, I need an ambulance, and what the problem is. So I've just been attacked, you know? Um, that's it. You don't have to tell the operator everything that happened that day they're there to gather information and what the defense attorney the prosecutors will do is they will take all that information they'll use it against you when they're trying to prove that you weren't within your legal right to shoot somebody in self-defense because a lot of people are mad somebody just broke into their house and i just shot that guy and i shot him on my kitchen floor and you know i shot him in the back and they start talking and saying really stupid shit that they shouldn't say. And the lawyers are just like, oh gosh, you know, this is gonna be a nightmare to clean up. But one of the biggest, one of the stories that I remember is that um, there was this one guy who went across the street to visit with his neighbor and they're like showing each other, hey, look at my new shotgun and oh, look at this, you know. And so the guy, the neighbor, our client um, shows him his new gun and then, you know, proper trigger discipline and everything. And then it's not loaded. Um, and then 
nope, sorry, correction. It is loaded. It's an AR. And then the guy, the neighbor, has so a shotgun. So it started out as shotgun, not loaded. Now it's an AR, is loaded. Yeah, they're it's loaded. I'm sorry. Quickly. Yeah, so both of these guns are loaded, but <laughs> our our client is mm-hmm. using proper, you know, he's like, oh, hey, look, this is my gun, blah, right, blah, blah. Right, right. And then the other guy is like, it's a shotgun. And he starts pointing the shotgun at our client. And the guy, our client is like, hey, back up. You're scaring me. You know, you need to put that away. He's using all his verbal commands. He's, you know, doing the right thing. He's like, you need to back up. And the guy points the gun at him. Our client shoots him with his AR. So what happens is they end up going into the t- interrogation room and um, he's talking to the cop and he's just like, well, you know, I still love my AR-15. He makes a comment that he says, I still love my AR-15 because the AR-15 saved them. And you know, they're talking about guns. And so he thinks it's a safe space. And when they go to the first day of trial, the prosecutor puts on the board giant, like a screen. It says, I still love my AR-15. Hmm. So after he shoots somebody, that's where his mind was at. And that's what they used to try to prosecute him. So you have to be so careful with things that you say. And I always, you know, think about that because how often do we do that? Like we really do adrenaline's pumping through your body and you just start talking, you know? So you have to be careful with that. Yeah. I mean, if you have to shoot your neighbor. That was awful. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what was the guy thinking? I mean, there's no way to know. I don't know. I mean, they shouldn't have been doing that anyway, but who knows? I mean, people do some weird stuff. So if you grew up like ranching you do some weird stuff with guns or like they're just they're just so a part of your daily life you don't even think about it right it's like hanging in your pickup or your walk like when i was a kid we had so much acreage i was just like i had a 22 when i was so Mm -hmm. young it's like you just disappear out there and you're like massacring birds and just doing things that you do when you're a kid but it's just a different culture right i'm around loaded guns so often i don't even doesn't even bother me anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, but you've been doing it for, for how long? It's just normal for you. Right. It's, it's funny. So what was it like? <laughs> I'm going way back, though, because I'm just thinking about your husband. Like, what did I start doing dating this gun chick? She's showing me all of her guns. Like, how did how did he take that when you first, like, I have something to tell you? And he's, like, thinking, oh, great. I'm a gun nut. Right. Well, I think he was just, like, it was strange. It was different. I think he was terrified of me in a lot of ways <laughs> because, um, you know, I think there's that idea that, you know, he's never been around, I guess he's never been around a gun person before. And so they don't understand our level of safety with guns and our level of respect for guns. And so what is this chick like crazy with a gun or <laughs> like, what the hell kind of thing. But you and know. now you're a gun nut too. Oh, he's like worse than I am now. I bet it's like a, it's like the ultimate man thing. Or grouping in what scared the crap out of me. <laughs> small groups. <laughs> you're like, my head's big. Small groups. Yeah. Hey, don't step out of line, buddy. You're done for. I know. Plus, she's set up with the right company. She'll get off. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say anything. I can't even answer that question. <laughs> like I said, this can't haunt me later. <laughs> you're in trouble for the rest of your life. I like that. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> Keeps them in line. Yeah. What's it like for your kids when you go to career day? I know, right? Um, it's funny because my like my little one, um, she's 11. She loves guns too. Really? Yeah. She's totally into it. And so is my son. But um, it's just normal to them. They've grown up around it. They are very used to seeing guns. They could care less about touching one in the house. Like I always keep them in safe places. We have a safe and I always have mine on my person or somewhere where I know it's in my control. But they don't they're not curious about it kids should be raised to know guns at a very young age and that will solve the problem of some of these issues where gun kids get a hold of guns and they're curious about it right because that's one of the arguments right is that you know if you have guns in your house they do the commercial where the kid gets and it's like bang he shot a shadow was that a person i don't know but he shot somebody the little two-year-old right and those things happen like Mm -hmm. i don't know how much they actually happen do you know the statistics on that is that like a regular thing I don't know the exact statistics. I know, I mean, I think it's not as prevalent as they want to make it out to seem that it is, but it does happen for sure. And it's often because a gun is in their vicinity and they don't know, you know, they just don't understand what it does. Nobody's showed them. So like with my kids, they don't, they don't go near it. Right. They don't, 
Because you probably like to. take them to the range and like, oh wow. That's They've been loud. shooting too, so they understand the power behind it. So they're they're like, okay, it's respect. You know, there's a respect that you give a gun when you know what it can do. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That it's interesting. Yeah, raising. I just grew up different. It's like I have. So really, you weren't around guns? No, no, I was, but it, they were like out in the open everywhere. Yeah, because like, we were mm-hmm. just ranchy yep. is the word i use for it it's just different like there's one hanging in the back of the pickup yeah or it's one normal see it's just so normal and i was so young and it was just like it was my goal to try to get one and go do bad stuff with it so yeah you don't want to do that and when i say bad stuff i for the people listening like shoot prairie dogs right yeah, that kind of thing not nefarious acts but <laughs> you know you have to specify everything you say now and then it's still probably gonna get put out there but anyway it's it's interesting because you have a huge Instagram page. I mean, for someone who does what you do, because it's actually a small culture. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is pretty small, but it, it's growing with gun sales and all that. But how do you think like this battle like can change when, when it comes to like people opposing guns, the the constant attack on gun laws? I think California rolled something back recently on mm-hmm. ARs, right? Was it, what was it they just rolled back? Ty, can you look it up? Something with the guns. It was a good thing, like for gun people. This is where I get stupid. I think I it was like the, um, was it the, the, was it the, the red law? It was like uh, how you how you apply for one. I think they lengthened the time or something like that. They did something that made it easier to get them, I thought. Right. Yeah. Which a lot of people were like upset about. Were they? Because, you know, California. But, yeah, people um, are fleeing California. Like I keep seeing California plates everywhere here. You guys see that where you're oh, at? Oh, yeah. it's t- No, not as much in Houston, no. Yeah. Thank goodness I stay away from Houston. Yeah. They like the hill country and the nice places. Houston is not a nice city. Yeah, but like the Woodlands is pretty nice. Yeah, it is, but it's not like Austin. I think they're attracted to a lot. Californians are a lot more attracted to what looks like California, and Austin looks just like California in a lot of ways. A smaller version of it. Yeah, I mean, so I'm from Colorado, and that's how it was. Like, mm-hmm. like Denver is wrecked. No, but um, you know, with this whole with what I do on on Instagram, I always view it like advocacy. It's like activism in a way. Like, I'm just showing people that perfectly normal people can carry a gun. People that might not might, might not expect to see a a girl, you know, like me with a gun, but I just want to normalize it. And so I feel like I'm doing a service by showing people that. And I get lots of messages from especially like parents, dads, um, that will say, you know, I really want my daughter to learn. Thank you for what you're doing. Cause my daughter follows you or, and those are the kinds of things that make me feel really good that I'm actually spreading that message and just trying to normalize it, you know? Right. Right. Which, I mean, that's all you can do, right? Even if you have a platform, there's only so much influence you can put out in the world. Right. But it's interesting, right? Cause you know, you, you're, you're this, this, Blonde, like, I'm not going to say bubbly because mm-hmm. you're not bubbly. You're an introvert. <laughs> but this blonde Hispanic girl wearing a red Trump hat, like, toting around guns. You just, that does. It's not normal. Most of those things don't go together. Right. Right. And I know that from personal experience. They don't go together. But it, it's kind of like you're one of the perfect people to do it, right? Because mm-hmm. you are so opposite of the stereotype. Right. And there needs to be more of that. Because that's the only way you can inflict any kind of change. And it's funny because usually I'm talking about like how we can grow the sport of rodeo and modernize it. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about things like firearms and and just the, the core values that you believe in, which which everybody in this room shares mostly. But uh, just kidding, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ty. <laughs> I know. He gets attacked. All, all the time. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, gun law that you were talking about was the federal appeals to col- court throughout uh, California's ban on la- large capacity magazines. Oh. Yeah, it was ARs. Yeah, it was the... So so no longer you're limited to 10 rounds in California? Is that what it is? Uh, they just threw out that ban. So people can obtain large capacity gun mag- gun magazines. Yeah, I knew it had something to do with AR-15s. Okay. I'm not as stupid as I look. Wow. I know. It's good. It is good. It is good when you aren't as stupid as you look, if that's what you mean. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant, but okay. <laughs> that's Don't worry. I, I'm here to make sure he doesn't look as stupid. You got your work cut out for you then, Ty. Ooh, look at the it introvert was, he, is leaving I'm, the room. It, it just it was a perfect opportunity. I it had was, to take that, it. That was good. It was normally, a good Normally you wouldn't expect that from a homebody. <laughs> normally they're just like, oh, there was an opportunity. I didn't take it. But you went for it. Bullseye. He said I'm about your full groupings. Full of sarcasm. Full of sarcasm. I can work with it. <laughs> it's an important tool. 
Yeah. Definitely. With um with kind of all the wonderful things that you do, I mean, I'm really happy that you were able to make time to come on the show and just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, any opportunity you can to uh, shoot people straight, do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wouldn't word it exactly like that, but yeah. Not in your industry. <laughs> no. That's a good point. <laughs> I but have to be I, careful what I you say. You like nursed yours and I had too. So oh, there's okay. an excuse. I see. Do I have to drive you home now? No, I can get myself home. Uh-huh. Yeah. Luckily, Lightweight. it's a seltzer, so it's not like it's whiskey or I've burp. seen you drunk on this podcast before. True. <gasps> the truth comes out. Uh, it's not exactly it was it, we were trying to hide it. No, I mean, normally we don't, right? So, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the bar. Right? We're very open and transparent about the fact, hey. This is a really nice place. Yeah. I feel like it's so country in here. I love it. I feel at home. Yeah. It's peaceful mm -hmm. it's one of those places where like you could just hang out here and not worry about leaving it's You're like i'm safe wearing my maga hat in here you are plus it <laughs> matches like yeah, we kind of got the red thing it going. does doesn't it yeah yeah you are safe although if you go downstairs to the salon probably not safe i'll just take it off when i go downstairs put it on backwards yeah and just say hey or something what <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> Not my finest moment, apparently, no based shit. on the reaction. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, guys... that's probably, I'm putting that at the top of the list for the stupidest shit you said before. <laughs> How big is that list? Uh, I can't deter I can't disclose that. Wow. That's small. Yeah, that's very small. Well, cool. Well, you guys have a good night. Uh, where you guys, are you guys going to get some dinner tonight? Yeah, we'll probably go get some dinner or something. There's this place that they have really good jalapeno margaritas. Which place? What is it called? Is it shrimp seafood shack? Yeah, seafood shack. Oh. The best jalapeno margaritas really? ever. I've not heard of that. It's, so it's like good. downtown? No. It's in Dallas. Oh, you guys are going to Dallas this it, late? We, it's like why we, one of the reasons why we came. Not not that we didn't just want to come <laughs> see you. This is getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> but we thought like, okay, we'll see him and then we'll also get yeah. to have that jalapeno margarita. There you go. Huh. Yeah, I mean. The seafood checks in a former Dairy Queen. Huh. Is it? Was it a former Dairy Queen? Yeah, that's from what's It's so saying. good. It's hard to find authentic Mexican food anywhere. Yeah. I it's mean, like it's all really Tex-Mex around It's here. all Tex-Mex. So, but I'm from Colorado, so it's all authentic, I think. Really? They say it is. Like green chili. It's lies. What is authentic Mexican food? I don't know. Like For me, it just authentic. isn't Taco Bell. Like, Taco Cabana and Taco Bell are not legit. Although, I do love Taco Bell and Taco <laughs> I think you can say that they're not authentic, but still love them. I love them, but they're just not like authentic. So, my mom makes no the lettuce, best no Mexican food. So for you, Chance, Tex-Mex Tex has more spices to it, I would say. No, I love, I like Tex-Mex better than yes, like the green chili smothered thing that they do in Colorado personally. I don't know what that, the, then but, that would be authentic. Is that yeah, smothered that in authentic. green chili and tortilla and... Yeah, so yeah. that's authentic, but I like Tex-Mex better. Flour but. tortillas are very Tex-Mex as well. Um, like real Mexican food uses it's a lot corn. more corn. Yeah, I don't even like flour tortillas. I love flour tortillas. <laughs> I need to stay away from them. I eat too many of them. Flour is too good. I like corn tortillas better. <laughs> you like corn tortillas better? Well, they're healthier. A little bit. Can't be a lot but better, right? But they're at least better than flour tortillas. Like Yeah. So oh, I'm pretty sure corn tortillas last longer too. Right? Yeah, but yeah. here's the problem. Like if you want to have a corn tortilla taco it always breaks double you do double they still break you're married to a mexican you should know this <laughs> <laughs> that's true but all right she has a family they don't do a lot of cooking mm. although like if she does like chili rellenos her mom does that but that's like the one thing my wife is like spaghetti and meatballs kind of chick she's like mexican but white wow washed very whitewashed your husband's pointing at you feverishly I, I cook. Oh, never mind. You're just messing with his hat. I burn water occasionally, but I still cook. <laughs> so you're saying she's not the best cook? No, no, no. I'm saying that's what she cooks, like lasagna. White girl foods? Yeah. That is not true. <laughs> Your favorite thing I make you is enchiladas. Yeah, don't lie. Right. Say it. Tell the truth. No, don't cook. get this in is trouble. A house of truth. Hey, just don't get in trouble. American food. That's all she cooks. That's racist. <laughs> it look, uh, it takes skill, okay, to make Mexican food. I don't. She not skill. Best enchiladas, though. 
That I tell you. I know every Mexican woman, every Latina has that one thing they do that's amazing. And then the rest of it's white people food. Why is that? There like, you why, go. What is it with the modern Latina and only having one Hispanic dish they're good at? It's because our moms were so traditional that they didn't, they, they're like my mom personally, she never really taught me how to cook. She just like, she's so good at serving in the sense that like she takes care of her household in such a way that, you know, she would have dinner ready. We didn't have to participate in that process, which I'm really upset with her about because we just didn't learn it. I don't know. That's exactly what my wife says. I don't know. I can't explain it, but that's what I feel like it is. My mom is such a caring person. She likes to mother us. She's super like, like clean, feverishly yes. all the time. It's just that's a, your mother. It's just a cultural thing. Yeah, my mother in law is like as soon as you pick up your plate, psst, clean. Like, you don't even have time to get it to the dishwasher before the spot. You're right, in and is if clean. you try to wash dishes at my mom's house, she's like, "No, just leave it there." I'm like, "Mom, please, I'm gonna wash it." You know, she can't. She won't even let us wash dishes. Check this out. My mother-in-law, like, Windex is out the sink, the inside of the sink. Wow. Trash cans are for pretty. Really. <laughs> That's how clean she is. Yeah, it's. I. I, I just. And you I love her. Think, I mean, it's like a cultural thing. It's so nice because you know, like. <laughs> If I drop my food on the floor, I'm better off just to get down there and eat it. Yeah. It's cleaner. But it's true. My wife has like one good Mexican dish she can make and the rest of it's just cracker food. I could say that. Gosh, I guess that's <laughs> that's the way I am too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's for me. I don't think a lot of people even realize that I'm Hispanic um, just because I like don't speak Spanish very often. Do you know Spanish? Yeah. I speak really? fluent Spanish. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, to be honest... You have the same pigmentation as my wife. Like, until you can't, I didn't know you were Hispanic. Yeah, it's weird that, um, I guess you're, you're white, it's a whitewash, like you called it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but I just grew up very American, even though my mom, you know, is Mexican, she's from Mexico. Um, I didn't really adopt that culture as much as the American culture. I mean, when you grow up here, it's, it's a different thing, right? Because, like, I... I have Hispanic people in my family on my side too, but when you talk to them, it's like they want to let a lot of the Hispanic culture go and absorb the American culture. So they, it's funny because my wife doesn't speak Spanish and neither does her mom, which is crazy. Oh, that's weird. They didn't, her grandparents didn't want to teach them Spanish because they wanted them to be a full on. You know, I like American. that though. That's good. And I feel like that's important as, um, as a Hispanic, I'm saying that, I dislike it when Hispanics don't adopt the American culture because we are in America and we should adopt the culture. Right. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's you should be, you should be proud to be in America because it's Absolutely. it's the best place. It doesn't even matter. Like, drop your creed, drop your race. It's the best place to be for everybody. Like you, everybody. There's a reason everybody from all over the world comes here. And I also don't feel like I need to be announcing it on social and stuff. Like I joined um, an organization called Bienvenido and it's like for cultural kind of stuff for, you know, conservatism. But I don't feel the need to have to announce that I'm Hispanic because I feel like I'm an American. You really don't look that, his she doesn't look that Hispanic <laughs> at all. You, I thought you were a white girl. Wow. I really did. Really? People said it about my wife too, but I did. I didn't, have no idea. I just don't feel like I have to go announcing it, but I'm certainly not. Like I've been on ranches and stuff before with, buddies and there's like a ranch hand that only speaks Spanish and he's like I can't one of my friends is like I can't talk to this guy he's been working here for like eight months and I can't have a conversation with him like what do you want me to tell him like I'll, I'll communicate with him he's like you speak Spanish like, yeah Mexican what yeah you just maybe it's the blonde if you had black hair maybe it'd be different but I don't know you're super maybe. light skin maybe all every looks all the looks are in the hair that's what I say you think so I think that's just with anyone well mm -hmm. Okay, let's be real. If you see someone like a really dark pigmented Hispanic person and they do the blonde hair, you know. <laughs> like it's very obvious. Well, I'm, I'm not just saying it with that. I'm just saying in general. Just looks, the hair makes anyone's look in general. To looking, I guess. To looking clean cut or looking messy. Some, just your hair will tell the story. Well, there's a lot of Spanish in my blood too. So maybe that's where it, that more yeah, European Spanish are really fair skinned. But I mean, you're not super, your kids are probably pretty light, right? Because yeah. you're super fair skinned too, kind of. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my daughter, she's really she's really fair-skinned. Yeah, although it is a good move if you're a pale guy like me to marry a Hispanic girl because your kids come out looking perfect. 
That is true. It is so true. Like, that I'm is so true. scared for my sons when they get into school because it's going to be bad. Wow. Yeah, definitely Hispanic. That uh, Hispanic culture has very beautiful skin it, tone. Oh, they absolutely. Beauty. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I mean, it's like ingrained in the culture. It's one of the best things about it. Right. But it's cool. fun. This is what happens on these podcasts. It's like, let's wrap it up. Oh, let's ramble about Hispanic <laughs> Heritage Month for the next 45 minutes. But, I mean, for real, you should probably learn to cook more than enchiladas. Yeah, I'll try. What kind <clears> of enchiladas? <throat> okay, so they're kind of like white girl enchiladas, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the plot thickens. They're, they have cream cheese. They're Philadelphia oh. cream cheese. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint y'all. They're not even authentic enchiladas. She what? Jalapenos, but yeah, that's still just cream like cheese. trying to make up for it, right? Exactly. Okay, so what were they? What would you even call a white girl enchilada? They're white girl enchiladas. White girl enchiladas, <laughs> cheese roll up. That's what the white girls are called. It's a cheese roll up. <laughs> it's probably something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. I will let you guys get over to. Was it Dairy Queen? You guys are going to? Yeah, like? Dairy Queen. <laughs> to get, I didn't know Dairy Queen had jalapeno margaritas. <laughs> Yeah, they do. Thank God you guys are strapped. That place has got to be scary. It's kind of scary, but, you know, we'll just take it to go. There you go. Have a little drink there. And yeah, maybe. and if they won't give it to you, well, then you're armed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or not. Because you wouldn't know. Right. Concealed. Perfect. All right, well, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, guys. It was awesome. Bye. This has been The Gage, hosted by me, Chance Conrado, produced and edited by our guy Ty Yeager. Shout out to the executive producers Dustin Pointer and Cody Denton. Marketing and content by Cassie Emerson. Our theme song is by Shay Ashire and the Night Howlers. Make sure to rate and review this podcast as well as follow The Gage on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to The Gage wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you guys next time.